From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week we are talking Tulpa's a South by Southwest fave and, of course, Hammer Horror. Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> and I'm, I just, let's, let's just get this out of the way. I'm really excited to talk about the movie that you brought today. So let's, let's I want to dive right in. Let's talk about Oh my god, okay. So I am talking today about The Empty Man by David Pryor. Oh my god. I had no idea what to expect. So this is a movie that a lot of people have been talking about. It has it was like had a really awful distribution. It was kind of dumped out on Halloween and then it came on to streaming La- uh, beginning of March, I no, believe. It, it was it was actually out um in January uh to to purchase because I watched it on my birthday. It was in January? <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Um so it ha- obviously it had a really bad rollout. Um, and it's a studio film. It's a pretty, it was like a, for a pretty decent budget. And, um, you know, people said it's, it's two hours and 15 minutes long. So a lot of people are like, it's too long, blah, blah, blah. It's can, like, there's a lot of stuff going on. There is, but it's fucking awesome. 
I'm glad to hear you say that because like I have been in love with this movie since I saw it on my birthday. Like it was like my birthday. I was like, I'm going to watch a movie that I'm not going to write about. I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to do anything. I just want to watch something. And I picked this two hour, 20 minute movie <laughs> and I was absolutely enamored with it. And then I check out people's like response on Twitter. And, and there's been a couple vocal minority pe people in the minority, but like. A lot of people don't like this movie. Right. Well, and Matt Monagle has been evangelizing it for a bit. And that kind of brought it back up in conversation because he wrote about it. He did the interview with David Pryor and um, Matt Monagle from Certified Forgotten, friend of the show. <laughs> um, he did a lot of talking about it. And I got an email about it. And it, it's, it had like a cryptid vibe. So I was like, well, I need to watch this. And then I'm so glad I did. But it's so much more. It's like not I, cryptid. It's not how I would describe it, though. But it does go into a topic of that I'm really fascinated with um, the topic of tulpas. And so um, so tulpas are basically tulpas are something that has manifested because it has been thought about enough. So basically, it are, they are physical manifestations of thoughts. And tulpas are really hard to create because it obviously requires a lot of thinking if you believe in tulpas. So there's a lot of discussion of tulpas in Twin Peaks, David Lynch's Twin Peaks. Um, there is a lot of discussion about the idea of digital tulpas with Slender Man and a lot of the creepypastas and how they, beco they become obsessions to the point that they actually manifest as physical beings, which I think is so fucking fascinating. So when the word tulpa comes up in this movie, like on the back of a sheet of paper, I was like, fuck yeah, I have never, I have not seen a movie about tulpas in so long. And like, it's a really confusing topic. Like it is, it's weird. It's very like, existential and philosophical and like kind of weird to grasp and i don't even think i totally get it but this movie does it in a really interesting way and gets like very deep and existential and it is very reminiscent of like japanese horror i said on twitter and to terry that this would make an amazing double bill with the movie cure kiyoshi kurosawa's movie from the 90s um which i need to see it's and it's on the Criterion channel um, mm -hmm. if anyone wants to watch it. But it is like it's got those vibes of like 90s Japanese horror, which I love because, you know, there's so many adaptations of Japanese horror film in the U.S. But this one is not an adaptation of a Japanese horror film. It just takes kind of cues from those kinds of story beats. And this is the first time I've seen it done so successfully because it's not trying to be a Japanese horror movie. You know what I mean? Like. Right. No, this this is definitely one of those movies that's like the kitchen sink approach where you start out like because we haven't really even talked about what the movie's about. You start out <laughs> and there's like a cold open that lasts for 45 minutes. It's a 45 it's minute cold 20, open. Is it, I think it's 20 minutes. Is it only 20 minutes? I think it's only 20 minutes. I looked because it, it said 22 minutes. Cause I was like, how long has this been going on? It was 22. But that's still a very long cold open. <laughs> Yeah, man, I thought it was longer, but okay. At, at any rate, it's a long cold open, and it's set in, um, is it Tibet? It's been a while Bhutan. since I've seen it. Bhutan. Bhutan. It's set in Bhutan in the snowy peaks, and people are, this group of friends are just, you know, are on like a, they're going mountain climbing, which I cannot relate to, but... Um, <laughs> Same though, <laughs> <laughs> and one one in a really beautifully staged shot where this person's walking towards like the end of a of the mountain. There's like a hidden hole, and he falls down and discovers this like tomb where this multi armed 
skeleton is sitting there and he is sitting in front of it just zoned out and then it kind of goes from there and builds this like almost like cabin in the woods except if woods were in Bhutan and in a mountain vibe to it in the first like however long and then it switches to being a detective noir about this man who is searching for missing a missing student that is related to this idea of the empty man yep and then it just goes from there and it just goes from there <laughs> like it's an it's this epic philosophical noir weird horror movie and it's so ambitious oh and it's, it's very ambitious so it's just really cool to see filmmakers continuing to make things like this like you know, people can shit on horror all they want, but like people are f- swinging for the fences. Oh yeah, and that's with these the, movies. Like it's the, so cool. Yeah, and this this movie is a mess. I mean, it is a mess. I don't know if it completely works in the end, but it is <laughs> ambitious as fuck. And I enjoyed every single moment of this film. All two hours and seventeen minutes of it, I was on board, in love. Yeah, just waiting for the next weird little twist or the weird little horrific scene that's going to happen mm-hmm. like it just it was doing it for me so i was really happy that like you just text me like what the fuck <laughs> well and it definitely is one of those movies that like there's a lot going on and i think i honestly think the runtime isn't that bad like it's a long movie but i think it works for this i think that what it's trying to do it gives it space to kind of grow with this kind of legendary, like legendary it's trying to build. So I think if it was shorter, honestly, it would have left a lot to be desired. I was thinking about this a lot because I know people always complain about long movies like that. But if this was a shorter movie, I don't think it would have worked. Um, no. The, and the cold open is needed. I, you oh, know, the cold I, open is so good. A lot of people complain because like either A, they really liked that cold open and they didn't really like the story that continued on from it. Or B, that they felt that the cold open wasn't needed. I completely disagree with that because they are two halves of a part and they mm-hmm. fit together perfectly by the end. And I just I, – I think this movie needed to be as long as it was. Mm-hmm. It's based on a comic book or a graphic novel. Yeah, and I was reading the interview that Matt Monagle did and apparently it's like very loosely based on the comic book. Oh, okay. Because the comic book takes place like – post-apocalypse basically and so he took the idea of i think he took the similar ideas in a graphic novel but applied them to like before something bad happens Mm. um so he took all of the ideas and put them in a different context i mean this does feel downright apocalyptic it does feel very apocalyptic and i hadn't even thought about it as a cosmic horror and it definitely is like it doesn't have this like Sometimes I get stuck in thinking about cosmic horror as like, look at all these cool aliens and stuff and like weird, like very obvious symbols of cosmic horror. But this one is very much in the realm of like philosophically cosmic horror, but not necessarily from like the imagery perspective all the time. Some imagery, but like it's not as overtly cosmic horror in terms of like the aesthetic and visuals. But I could talk about this movie forever. But man, I'd love to talk to to David Terpheyer <laughs> seriously because the production history is wild and it is it is beautifully made too. There's a really oh, amazing transition shot that goes from a paper mm. map and zooms into the paper map and it like seamlessly transitions into the into woods and a road and it is such a cool shot. Um, and then let me oh fuck I forgot his name. 
Um, and then the lead is played by James Badge Dale. And I have seen him in some things before. Um, but he wasn't super memorable, but he's so good in this movie. Oh, he is. He's, he's like this kind of like rough alcoholic smoking ex-cop who like has nothing to lose, but he's kind of, but he plays it really well. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, there's a lot more going on underneath in his head that, that he really is able to um, articulate through his mannerisms. Yeah. There's a really funny part. This isn't a spoiler where something's happening and he's like, absolutely the fuck not. And he turns around and runs. <laughs> I love that and I was like, oh my God, this is so like I love that this movie, when movies are self-aware like that and have the characters do that. Cause it just makes me laugh. And he's like, absolutely the fuck not. <laughs> it's, so, right. it's so good. So, um, Plus, this is also just like you can tell this is a labor of love and yes. the fact that so much love went into this this is not a a movie that someone just like just wrote and then you know was like whatever this is a lot of love went into this and the fact that it was just kind of unceremoniously dumped partly because of covid partly because i don't know if marketing probably knew how to market the film uh <laughs> but it, it's sad it's sad to me that a movie of this scope this epicness and this much love was just. I know it's so annoying. So I'm glad that a lot of people or it's like slowly building because I know that Matt talked about it. I tweeted about it yesterday and there were a lot of people who were positive. So it feels like it's slowly ramping up into something that'll get more attention. And that's what like, that is something I love about the horror community. Um, I think that we're all really good at watching movies that like have small releases and then hyping them up. I think that that is like, a, a, I feel like it's a unique thing for the horror community. Like even the smallest movie will have its champions. And I really love that about, about that, about us as a group. But so, okay, that was mine, The Empty Man. Everyone, please go watch it. You can, It's available to rent across most platforms. It's like six bucks. I promise you it's worth it. Um, but Terry, South by Southwest, a favorite. Tell me all about yeah. it. So, I mean, we're recording this on, on Wednesday. So I haven't seen a couple of the films that I really am looking forward to. But I've seen a few of them. And... I was I was kind of feeling a little down on this festival for a little bit because like the movies I've been watching are fine, but they haven't really ticked that itch that I've been wanting. And then I was I had a binary decision last night of watching Gaia or another movie. And I was like, no one's talking about Gaia. I'm just going to sit down and watch it. And boy, did I love this movie. Oh, my God. I've seen so many good reactions on Twitter so far. So tell me about Gaia. Surprising as hell. So it starts <laughs> off with this gorgeous shot where it's like a, a drone tracking shot through like um, a jungle river. But the river is on the ups- uh, like it tilts. And so the river is on the, the, the ceiling or the top of the movie. And we're like looking at it oh, upside down. Okay, But it perfectly mirrors everything else. So it's like this really kind of distorted view that's like kind of makes you uncomfortable because like it, you're seeing it perfectly mirrored in both the top and the bottom, but like it's reversed because you're staring at it upside down. So it's this really weird shot. And it turns out that the drone belongs to these two forestry members that are on a surveillance mission in this primordial forest. And they send the drone off and right before it gets like whacked, it sees a, a young man covered in mud 
and then it gets knocked down. And while the one guy kind of laughs, don't be like a white person and go go check out this like dangerous thing. She's like, we can't leave trash in this in this forest, which true. So she goes out there to go find it and she runs afoul of a trap that like cuts her foot. She hobbles to like this. She finds this hut. And then the two people there, there's an older man and a younger man, and they've been living in this forest and they see her and they try to patch her up. But there is something else in the forest and there are creatures that look exactly like there's no way you could not tell me that this movie is inspired a little bit by The Last of Us because there are creatures that are directly pulled they're they're basically if you've played the game the clickers there's these okay. creatures that are blinded and they have like the the mushroom cap on their head <gasps> that has exploded up like this is a good teaser and i would i you know i'm going to say that this is a good little little fan maybe introduction to maybe what happened in the beginning of like no shit <laughs> in that's my mind, so I'm cool like, I'm yeah. like, I'd be perfectly happy that this would be sort of like a how did the last of us turn into the last of us and so she's she's stuck there with with these these people this this older man and his son who have been living in this primordial forest for i think it was like 13 years and it's it kind of it takes some vibes that we saw at sundance with um ben wheatley's like in the earth okay i was gonna ask about in the earth because it sounds like it hits some similar beats and has something a little bit of a similar yeah i would say it's not as um mental uh like it doesn't have the same kind of themes on the mind. Okay, it's not as, as like cerebral and like. Yes. Okay. okay, this one is more of a flat out and in some ways horror movie, but it does get okay. some kind of like interesting themes of like the earth and humanity as being like a plague, like a typical Ooh. nature eco horror type uh, feels to it. It's um, but man, is it? It's beautifully shot. It is gorgeously shot. The effects are really nice for the most part. There's some wonky CGI, but like it didn't bother me. And it's man, it really just blew me away. Fuck yeah! I've been hearing such great things about it, and it's it look like just the things I've seen look amazing, and I'm so excited to see it. Um, yeah, I'm still I'm trying hoping... to parse out. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it gets like a release. I know. Yeah, I'm really hoping it gets a release some point soon because this is the one that I've seen like a lot of hype for mm-hmm. um in terms of like the midnight releases and the horror releases from south by so i'm hoping that means it'll get picked up quickly because like in the earth got picked up pretty quickly yeah from sundance and so i'm still trying to parse out my thoughts to like write something about it but i will tell you that this is one definitely to put on your radar especially if you like there's body horror in it there's mm-hmm. like there's there's a couple points where like she starts well she starts having these nightmares that fungus is growing out of her skin oh and then it starts to really happen. <laughs> oh, my and God. So there's like some body horror with that. There's definitely um, some uh, like eco horror. There's it, it's it goes in some wild directions. It's it's a little bit more muted, I would say, than some of the wild cerebral places that in the earth goes to. But okay. it's in the same ballpark. I think they would make a good companion piece together. Cool. And it's South African, right? Yes. Cool. Uh, mostly in English, there's um, there's a couple bits of dialogue that um, I'm guessing is in Afrikaans. I'm not 100% okay. sure. Cool. Man, fuck yeah. This is a good year. It's been a good couple of years for international horror from like 
like South Africa and mm. Argentina and like I feel like countries that we don't really see a lot of horror like that's getting attention coming out of, like a lot of countries with horror that's getting a lot of attention so mm-hmm. that's exciting and it looks beautiful like it's gorgeous <sighs> it is gorgeous i'm so excited for it um so hammer horror <laughs> <laughs> so y'all this week we watched twins of evil um which is about pretty much two twin a set of twins one of them is becomes a vampire and one of them is pure and they travel to this castle after their parents have died and one of them becomes a vampire peter cushing plays a religious zealot who likes to burn witches alive innocent Um, women innocent women yeah so um what did you think of twins of evil terry you know, this is one of those movies where when you're watching the first 20 minutes, you get really excited by some of the things that they're kind of introducing. And you think about, man, I need to text Mary Beth and say, oh, my gosh, is this a lot where is this like a movie that influenced the witch? Because there was some definite strong uh anti-religious feminist like vibes that are kind of feeling similar to some of the things that the witch explored. And then it just sort of shits the bet. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, it, it, yes, it does shit the bed. Like there's no other way to put it. It just like becomes spectacle, like for spectacle's sake, I feel like. Well, and it brings up these themes like I what I okay, what I really loved at the beginning is we have Peter Cushing playing a, an evil man who is using religion to basically smite women. And he burns them at the stake with his group of other old white men that just <laughs> ride through the countryside picking up women that aren't either married or living on the the edges of society and they're basically burning them because they think that they are infected by the devil. Meanwhile, there is this man who is practicing he wants to practice Satanism, but like he keeps hiring charlatans to like do <laughs> ceremonies for it. But then he ends up killing, uh, stabbing a woman and bringing to life an old vampire. Um, that is, I mean, okay, this is actually the, in a, the third in a trilogy of movies that started with the movie that you went on the horror queers to talk about. Oh, yes. Um, Vampire Daughter. lovers, vampire, the vampire lovers, vampire lovers, right? I was, yes, I watched the vampire lovers for an episode of the horror queers, which is a which is about a female vampire with a lesbian tendencies who ravages town folk, and is really good. It's based off of the story Carmilla, which mm-hmm. is about um, a queer female vampire, and I really enjoyed that movie. I that one was really good because it really plays up the idea of queerness and I think it's it's I mean it's the 1970s so it's not like the most progressive but I think it's really well done. Um not this there these are two very different. Oh yeah. So like <laughs> very so different there was movies. The, the Vampire Lovers in 1970 and then there was Lust for a Vampire which was a loose sequel to the first film where basically uh Mercala I think is her name the the Carmilla stand-in she comes back alive and seduces and murders her way through a girl's school. And then we have twins of evil and she gets brought back alive once again um, 
to basically turn Count Cardenstein into a vampire. Mm -hmm. And it's at this point that like the, the kind of politics of it sort of get a little wonky for me because the two twins, you have Marie and Frida and Frida's like, she is not having any of this. She's a strong feminist woman in this time period. And she's like, no, y'all are crazy. I want to go, you know, be free. And so because of that, she runs afoul of these vampires, becomes a vampire against her will. And, and at that point, it's sort of like, I don't know, it goes downhill for me. Yeah. And so also... Um, Mary and Madeline Collins, the new play of the twins, are actual twins, and they were mm-hmm. they are former Playboy playmates, yeah. which is fascinating. But that, and I mentioned that because this movie is very titty. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I say that because a lot of very low cut dresses, and there's a scene where um, Frida is attacking a man, and her like her just her fucking nightgown just opens up, and her boobs are hanging out, and like she rubs it crucifix on her nipple it's very strange it's like that's why i say spectacle because all of a sudden it becomes like look at this nude vampire girl rolling around on a bed and i'm like this is this is not what i thought it was going to be um because the politics are interesting they show up at the beginning these twins and these like very from they're they've come they're coming from venice Italy and so they're wearing these very like elaborate outfits that are like beautiful colored silks hats with big feathers and they're immediately told to change into all black because they <laughs> and what does Peter Cushing call them like birds of paradise or something maybe nastier than that well he he when what he walks he in them? and he sees them and he's like what kind of plumage is this plumage okay <laughs> okay I was like there's something with birds plumage what kind yes. of plumage is this and, and I about died they're like, they're like we don't have black <laughs> well and then he's like do you know the fourth commandment and she's like which one which is one's that? that and i just i loved it because i'm like oh this is like really like you have the the very more liberal society of the city folk coming to this rural community and where religion has this tight hold and she's mm-hmm. like she even says later perhaps they don't like good men because all the good men quote unquote in this town are a, a part of this like religious sect that is killing people so there's all of that going on in the beginning. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I would have loved it if both twins became vampires. Like, that would have been cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here we are. And again, I'm still, I was also very impressed with the effects towards the end when, like, a yeah. vampire is killed and he slowly decays. And there's some really, there is some actually, like, again, the Hammer horror films continue to have some pretty good practical effects for the time that they were made in. I also really loved the the score. It was just so... Yeah bombastic and <laughs> over the top that it just it was really kind of working for me with with what was going on now there is one scene that i about died laughing though um Mercala is having sex with um count karnstein and she like reaches up and grabs this candle that is lit and like there's wax pouring down it it's very seminal and she literally starts <laughs> jacking it her hand goes up and she like strokes this candle and I'm like, oh my God. Just in case you didn't know, there's sex <laughs> happening and we're going to show it to you again and again as she gives a candle a hand job, a burning uh, candle a hand job. It was so funny. She's just it's like, I'm like, no, are they, are they, oh, they're doing it. <laughs> and my other favorite part is when 
so there's one black character who is obviously uh, played horrifically. He is, I think he's mute and he's he, mute. He is treated like shit, but he goes out to defend the castle. Of course, he Joaquin. like sat, sacrifices himself to protect the castle. And then the but the one it's very good when a guy come a white guy comes out to him and he just punches him in the face with a torch and like <laughs> burns his eye out. And I was like, you know what? That's pretty cool. <laughs> like that kind of stuff was cool. I, but the whole character was terrible. Like that was the first time I think I've seen a black character in these movies. But of course, yeah. he was and like he was horrend- a mute servant. Yep, horrendously um, tokenized and stereotypical. So yeah, and then of but course he-, he dies, so the white couple can flee. It's of course. Duh. <laughs> Yay. Um, but yeah, so that was Twins of Evil. I think this was our first kind of dud so far in our hammer. Although it did kind of give us um, Peter Cushing saying, the devil has sent me Twins of Evil. Okay. I wanted to bring this up. This may, Okay. Because there's a bunch of, there's a movie we're going to watch for next week that also stars Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, but it's not Horrors of Dracula. And what makes me laugh is I know that all of the Hammer horror movies are in the same universe, but it's funny to me that these actors, like they keep using them to play different characters in very similar movies. And it's, mm. like, <laughs> it's like a little bit confusing and also funny because I'm like, wait, I know these are not like in one continuity and in one universe, but in my head they do for they exist in the same universe for some reason. I think just because they have the hammer horror label and they all have yeah. very similar aesthetics, at least like the vampire movies that take place like the Marcel, um, like this, this current scene trilogy obviously takes place in the same universe, but yeah, it's, um, it's fascinating. Yeah. But um, I guess that kind of leads into what Hammer Horror movie are we watching next week, Terry? We are being turned to stone as we go watch 1964's The Gorgon. Starring Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. (laughs) In which a Gorgon takes human form and terrorizes a small European village by turning its citizens to stone. It was directed by Terrence Fisher, who directed Horror of Dracula. And as Mary Beth said, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing are in it, so... And it was recommended to us on Twitter, so I'm I'm hoping that this one will course correct a little bit after. Yeah, we've watched a couple vampire movies, so it's time to kind of branch out and see the other, what other creatures we have to watch. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, um, so that's next Friday. But what about Monday, Mary Beth? Oh my gosh, on Monday, we are talking to writer, film critic, and podcast host Adrian Torres, and we are discussing the deliciously wet and gooey society from 1989. Oh my god, I cannot wait. This movie, it's it's been, a, we, we talked to him a little bit ago, and in our Google Doc, we have had <laughs> a phrase that has been in there, and I think it's going to live in this in this document forever about uh, what happens in the, the shunting stage. So 99 bottles of lube on the wall, 99 bottles of lube. <laughs> you take, take one, one down, down, you pour it on pour the castmates. <laughs> pour it on a butthole. 99 <laughs> bo- 98 bottles of lube on the wall. Um, all right, cool. So <laughs> cannot wait. It was a good conversation. <laughs> it was such a good conversation. And that movie is so wild, like mm. beautifully disgusting. Um, but so listeners, you have heard from us, but now we want to hear from you. Have you watched a film that we talked about and have some thoughts? Did you like The Empty Man? Please don't tell me if you didn't or do. <laughs> um, do you have any suggestions for movies that we should talk about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. 
or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. (laughs) (laughs) Meow. That bitch always has to have the last word. She had the last laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Meow. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>